It's Friday, and it is time to get the week winded down, wound down. That's probably better. That's a boy. I tell you what, Ryan Ryan Steak of the Mining Journal in with me, Tanner Hoops. We've all got our roles here in 2019. We don't just do a bang up job. I should be in late week form and yeah, start the show with that. Let's hope the rest of it goes better than that because. <laughs> Oh man, I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for a few days break. Well, well, yeah, I mean it's it's the weekend. I think it's the end of the day on Friday is when people like start to stumble a little bit. Maybe a little I, bit. Yeah, I, I mean I've gotten tongue tied on the show before, so it's like you know you're eager, you're ready to start the weekend, and uh, yeah, so. Well, we get end the, we get we get end the week the way that we love to do, which is coming at you on the sports pen. Plus, we have the Friday funnies coming up later on. We have got that plus basketball, hockey. We've got some soccer with the Women's World Cup kicking off about an hour ago. We've got college baseball, everything in between. A lot to uh, break down and go over, but let's start on the ice. Last night, the Blues get within one game of winning their first ever Stanley Cup, albeit a little controversial. But nonetheless, a 2-1 win for St. Louis. They take a 3-2 series lead. Yeah, it was a really competitive game. Uh, but St. Louis is, do you feel like they have the spark? I feel like it's there. I, I, I think they're, I think they're going to do it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I do. At home? Yeah, I do. I think, it's, I think by, getting, by tying it up and getting out of Boston with a win in Game 5 and just going to have that spirited atmosphere in St. Louis, and you got... They they're not gonna fall flat like they did in Game Three. They're mm-hmm. gonna have that extra oomph there. I I think they're gonna do it. I which would be huge. The last couple of games, Ryan O'Reilly looks yeah. like he could be the Conn Smythe winner. I think uh, he almost. <laughs> I think he kind of almost has it locked up at yeah. this point. If they end up, if they end up winning on Sunday. I I think he gets it just because as much as I've liked Bennington, that one bad game kind of sunk his chances right. unless he like pitched like back-to-back shutouts or something like that to make up for it but uh yeah i mean he's just been clutch he's in the right place at the right time if there's a rebound he's right there to put it in he he was key uh the last two games for them well i tell you what i have never seen a team a championship team do as well on the road throughout the course of a playoff series uh course of an entire playoff run i should say I've seen just one series where a team does good on the road, but to ride that consistently, play better on the road than at home throughout the entire postseason to win a title doing that, I've never seen that. I've never seen anything like this that St. Louis is doing right now. Yeah, and it's amazing. Um, I'm writing about the Blues and uh, St. Louis for this week's column, hmm. and there's uh, they were so dead in the water yeah. you know, back on New Year's Day. They were dead last like in the NHL, tied with Ottawa for the fewest points in the league and have completely flipped their season around. Um, they're getting goals when they need to. Their goaltending is there, and they're winning on the road, like you said. There's there's not a lot of teams who have come out and been stellar on the road. A lot of times when you get in the cup finals, it's like, okay, maybe they'll split ones, you know, the first two games, like, but then the home team will win, then the road team will the, the home team will win their games at home, and then the road team, you know, that kind of thing. All the home teams will win their games, and uh, that's not the case this year. St. Louis has stepped its up. After that disastrous Game 3 where they couldn't stay out of the box, they were their own worst enemy, they have looked really good. They've adjusted what they've needed to. They haven't taken dumb penalties. Five on five, St. Louis has far and away been the better team this year, and you look at Boston's top line, five on five, they're still without a point in these playoffs. Marchand, uh, I should say in this final series, Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak, still no points in this final series, five on five. Yeah, it's uh, 
Talk about your best players completely disappearing mm-hmm. at the best. And that's the difference between St. Louis right now is that St. Louis is getting their key guys to contribute, and Boston is kind of relying on their unsung heroes to try to carry them and putting a lot of pressure on Rask, who has been good but not great right. this series. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's Boston's in trouble. I wouldn't think they'd be in this kind of situation at this point, but uh, the pressure's on them. I mean, the Blues are going to try to win. So there's that pressure of winning the Cup, you know, for your first time ever. Mm-hmm. But Boston's trying to keep their season alive to get home. So St. Louis is just can just flow into it and get ready to go, whereas Boston's probably going to be tense from the start. What does Boston need to tweak and adjust? Uh, <laughs> a lot. Uh, um, <laughs> they need to get their top line going. Yep. They need to get their power play back to where it was because it was so dynamite. But mm-hmm. they've St. Louis has started to figure it out. And, uh, you know, you don't want to feel the need to change your power play, but just add a little extra element, maybe tweak it a little bit because uh, – Eventually, over the course of a series, a team's going to be able to figure out. And uh, Boston doesn't seem to like to adapt very well. And uh, they got to do something. And uh, what I'm impressed with St. Louis did is St. Louis didn't have a panic moment when Bennington had his bad game. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes people will be like, oh, he can't start. He can't. There's no way he can start in game four. He played bad. But... You don't want to give up on your starter, who's been very good through the playoffs just because of one bad game. And he came back, looked great in Game 4, looked great, even better in Game 5. So it's just, I I don't know, Boston needs to do, I'm not sure what exactly it is, but they've got to change something to get back on track. They're going to throw the whole kitchen sink at them on Sunday, and Sunday is going to be the biggest game in St. Louis Blues hockey history. It's going to be a full crowd. It's going to be, you know, Gloria sounding all throughout the stadium. But it's going to be a lot of fun to see if they can close this thing out and to really rewrite history based on where they were in January. And Craig Berube still has the interim tag on his name, and that drives me crazy. Just what more does he have to do? Um, I... Can you imagine even if he, uh, let's say they don't end up winning the cup, would they just like dismiss them? <laughs> and, like, no, <laughs> There's you, no way they could. Yeah, yeah, just terrible management decisions there. But, uh, yeah, I think without a doubt he gets the full gig next year. And uh, I just, it's really impressive what they've done. You know, this, I mean, peop, even St. Louis fans, even the most diehards were like, well, maybe we just need to try it next year. You know, it's, this isn't our year. Let's rebuild. And they've, kicked it into gear they've played well in all areas and they've gotten wins on the road this is uh they're impressive to watch and as someone who's been to blues games who lived in the vicinity of st louis as i'll write about on sunday it's uh it's kind of it's you know growing up in minnesota the wild winning the cup would always be the most to me but like from that area and seeing the fandom that there is in St. Louis for the Blues, it, it'll be a little special for me to see that happen. Well, I tell you what, you look at this Blues team and where they've come the last few years. 2016, they made the Cup Final, lost to San Jose. They made the Western Final, I should yep, say, yep. and lost to San Jose. And people thought that was the year, and their window closed after that because they weren't in a good space with their, uh, they weren't in a good place with their cap space situation. Their salary cap was terrible, and it looked like everything was going to translate to their worst fears when you look back to New Year's Day. And now, really, they tweak the head coaching position. They get rid of Mike Yo and they bring in Craig Berube. And then Jordan Bennington, I don't know who really foreshadowed that he could turn into who he has. 
But all in all, those were the two biggest tweaks for St. Louis as far as turning around their season. Is Mike Yo like the most overrated head coach in hockey? Has Probably. Yeah, because it's like every team <laughs> thinks, oh, he's the answer, and then they can him because he doesn't live up to expectations. It's like the Wild went through it, now St. Louis has gone through it. It's like, okay, figure it out, guys. This guy, You will not win a cup with Mike Yo. <laughs> it's like if you want to keep him in an assistant role, fine, but he is not as a head coach going to bring you a cup. I think I, he's with Philadelphia as assistant now, is he? Yeah, yeah. but stay there. You know, that's, that, that's the role that's made for him is – here, you're a good coach, but you're a terrible head coach. <laughs> you know, find your role and stick with it. So hopefully he'll stay there. Or teams will have enough sense to keep him there. Um, yeah, and then Bennington, he was he was buried on the depth chart mm-hmm. forever and uh, was on the – was as, you know, it was brought up, actually, on uh, NBC um, brought it up, Emmerich did. He said that Bennington was loaned – to the Bruins <laughs> and was on the Providence Bruins roster, not on the, and then eventually got made it back over to the San, San Antonio Rampage, which is the AHL affiliate of the Blues, and had to climb his way up with playing time. So the guy wasn't even officially on in the Blues organization. He was loaned to the Bruins, came back to the Blues. It wasn't San Antonio and is now the starting goaltender and could potentially be winning a Stanley Cup by inside it. I love how he, he wasn't traded. He was loaned. He yeah, was loaned the, yeah, it's it's such a weird thing in minor league hockey. Like, okay, you can have our guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not getting anything really in return. But yeah, take him <laughs> off our hands, and you know, maybe you can bring him back to us. It's just it's bizarre. Uh, I got to ask you about the controversial call last night that eventually led to the game winning goal scored by David Perron. They had a trip that went uncalled. Perron got a breakaway, scored what proved to be the game winner. Your thoughts on the call? I'm going to remember Cam Neely losing his mind in the press <laughs> in his suite more than any more than that call because the call has not been retweeted as much as Cam Neely's reaction because <laughs> guy got up from his chair and I don't know what he threw but he threw it behind him into the garbage and just threw a little hissy fit and sat back down but it was it was, it was that was entertaining but yeah it should have been a call. Um, it was a penalty. Um, I can understand Boston fans being upset with it. At uh, St. Louis shouldn't have gotten. It, it shouldn't have resulted. No, doesn't mean like St. Louis wasn't necessarily going to score again, but mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen in that situation. And uh, yeah, Boston got robbed in that regard. I'm not going to say that the officials, you know, didn't make a mistake because it was a bad call that they missed or a bad non-call, what's, I should say. What seems to be a trend in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the first time it's trended the Blues' favor, yeah, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, it's like, the you know, then when you hear something, you see something like that, it's like, okay, does a team who finally gets a break when it comes to the officiating, is that going to build on them? Are they going to be like, <laughs> hey, we finally got a break, let's capitalize on this, which they did, mm-hmm. and got the goal, but are they going to capitalize on the series too? Because sometimes you look at teams who uh, get robbed and they completely mentally fall apart, and that's happened quite a few times. I don't mean to circle back too far, but we were talking about the Flyers' new yeah. coaching staff. They have like an all-star uh, coaching staff of like guys who couldn't make it themselves as head coaches they had moderate success and now they're all going to team up and think you know maybe there's enough between uh the three of us like Elaine Vigneault has Mike Yo 
And I think Lindy Ruff is the other one. Oh, wow. None of those guys really made it as a head coach themselves, but they had okay success. So they're all like trying to team up to see maybe there's enough between us that we yeah, can be relevant. We all woefully underachieved <laughs> as coaches. And maybe if you combined all our underachievement <laughs> together, we can potentially overachieve. It, uh, I mean, Lindy Ruff's a good coach, but he never got the job done in Buffalo. No. You got Mike Yo, who we've mentioned, yep. and then you got... Alain, I can't. Vigneault. who. And they've consistently gotten worse in New yeah, York under yeah, him. Yeah, it's. Uh, we'll have a good stacked Rangers roster <laughs> and not know what to do with it. So, uh, costing Heinrich Lundqvist his, uh, his glory <laughs> days to finally win a cup. And honestly, if he's going to want to go in a cup, he's got to get out of New York. It's not going to happen. Right. And to Vigneault's, uh to his point. I don't know what his role completely was in the front office with New York. I think he did have an executive role. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did. And his coaching wasn't the only place where he failed the Rangers organization. As an executive, I don't know if it's all on him, but that front office put them in a terrible spot. From like 2015 on, their cap space situation has just been horrible. It's like they went all in in 2015, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then nope. <laughs> now we're going to hope for the best. And and see the what team of Kevin Hayes, Dan Girardi, Carl Haglin—that's going to bring the cup. Yeah, that's exactly. the team we go all in for. Well, yeah, it had. I mean, in 2014, they made it to the Cup Finals, played mm-hmm. the Kings, yep. didn't get it done, and then they were just hoping that if we can hang on for one more year, <laughs> but nope, didn't happen. Uh, I tell you what, last thing on hockey before we hit the break, and this relates to head coaching searches around the league. Scott Sandlin, the head coach at Minnesota Duluth, had been targeted by the Anaheim Ducks. He signed an extension today, four years, to stay with Duluth. However, correct me if I am wrong, but the way I understand it is this really has no merit, no bearing on whether he is going to take the Ducks job or not. There was a deadline that needed to be filed because Duluth wanted to give him an extension before the Ducks ever reached out to him, and this this extension needed to be filed before a certain deadline to be approved by the Duluth Board of Regents. So, Anaheim is prepared to buy him out of this contract if they decide that he's the guy they want. So Bulldog fans can be happy that Scott Sandlin's staying there. But how long? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, will it last is going to be the thing. I I think he ultimately will stay. Mm -hmm. I think he likes it in Duluth. He's had a lot of success. I think I'm a little surprised. I I, I think he'll stay, but I think he'll eventually leave Mm -hmm. because – you can only do so much in college. Jim Montgomery did that, yeah. got his national title in Denver, and then he moved on to the Dallas Stars. Um, Dave Haxtell didn't win a title at North Dakota, but he got like so many straight frozen fours. He got a job in Philly, did pretty well there, eventually was let go, but you know, brought the Flyers to the playoffs over and over again. So mm-hmm. it's just I, he's kind of done everything there is to do at Duluth. Right. So I think if the the – the good offer, like maybe the Ducks aren't giving him what he wants, mm-hmm. but like if another pro offer comes up, I think he'll probably take it because, you know, what more is there to accomplish? You've won back-to-back titles, one of them that nobody expected you to do. So it's – and you've won a grand total of three while you're there. Yeah. So why not try the pros? Eventually a coach reaches that point. I mean, John Beeline just yeah. – <laughs> you know, it's like you, you've – you know, as much as you want them to hang on, you got to realize they're eventually going to want to see reach their peak as a coach. Well, and just coaching the Ducks in general is probably not too attractive, especially if Ryan Kessler is not going to play next yeah. year. Yeah, the the Ducks are kind of a mess right now, so <laughs> he, he'd want to be in more of a, a 
like maybe a situation where like when Haxtell went to the Flyers, yeah. like a a team that's playoff Caleb capable that you could build on your own maybe mm-hmm. into something and he did for the most part but uh philly is very fickle and demanding and you know unless we win a cup every year you're not good enough so but he's i think that's what he's looking for you don't want to have a team that's in that's really down and it's going to take you a while to build up maybe a team that's right there and just needs a couple of years and you can reach where you want to be he also didn't you also don't want to be in the situation where you're a contender because mm-hmm. if you underachieve, you're gone probably in two years. Right. Yeah, so I think that's where he's probably looking. I'm trying to think, are there any other head coaching openies, openings in the NHL? I think there's Anaheim. There's technically still St. Louis, as stupid as that is. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Maybe there are. That, um, not that are jumping out at me. Yeah. Um, uh, who knows? Maybe he'll get the Seattle gig. There you go. <laughs> Man, they still need a coach. Yeah, they? yeah. I mean, they're not going to play for another two years, mm-hmm. but they don't have one. Right. So, Maybe by that point, he'll feel he has accomplished everything he can yeah, at the college level. Wins, wins another title, then mm-hmm. maybe that'd be the time to go. I mean... I'm actually intrigued who Seattle's going to pick as their coach, and I hope they don't pick a retread. <laughs> What's Ken Hitchcock doing now? Uh, I don't know. Enjoying he got retirement. fired again. That's yeah. like three teams in two years. He's, he's, he's probably retired banking on the amount of cash that he's gotten after not reaching his full potential. So, yeah. He's kind of like the Ron Gardenhire of the NHL, a guy who had a lot of success but just didn't change with the game, and I think the game has just gotten too modern for him. I wonder how uh, Tigers fans feel about Ron Gardenhire right now. I've never actually got a definitive opinion. No, I, I think Tiger fans didn't expect a lot uh, during these last couple of seasons anyway. Because they're supposed to be bad. Right. Yeah, Gardenhire probably, you know, he's getting better about doing analytics and implementing things like that, sabermetrics in Detroit. Uh, but is he still old school? Yeah. And will he be the long-term solution to Detroit? Probably not. Like well, well, I'm giving him the benefit because Detroit's bad for the time being. <laughs> like we'll see, like if Detroit's like built into something that like a playoff team and see what he does with it. Because what Gardenhire benefited was is Minnesota started to be good again in the last year of Tom Kelly being there, and then mm-hmm. he retired. So Gardenhire, over, you know, got a team that was very really some solid players took them to the playoffs over and over again because the twins had reached what they needed to do so he kind of benefited with tom kelly's expertise and uh was able to build on that but uh he he has no benefit here with the tigers he was like it's like okay save our our ship that's at the bottom of the ocean like raise it out of nothing well and they drafted well during his Uh early years in minnesota i think his first year was the year that they selected mauer first overall Mm -hmm. and then johan santana is a rule five pick yeah they uh they made some smart decisions so maybe the tigers who looked good in their first draft the first day of the draft you know maybe they can uh build into something again uh, they played the tigers tonight twins and tigers play again so it's always kind of fun when garden hire gets to reunite with minnesota yeah and uh Consecutive three nights. So I get How to, about that? Yeah, I get to watch the Twins on TV, Twins-Tigers, three three days in a row, so that'll be fun. Hey, let's take our first time out. NBA Finals continuing this evening. We break it down next in the Sports Pen and ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. 
The NBA Finals continue this evening. Game four from Oracle Arena in Oakland. You can hear it right here on ESPN-UP and online with our app. Tip-off is set for nine. The Raptors take game three against a Warrior team that looked like they did not belong in the NBA Finals. They said Mark Jackson said that they probably wouldn't make the Western playoffs with that team. I don't agree with that. I wouldn't go that far. But Draymond is not a number two for a championship-caliber team. Thank God for them. They're getting Clay Thompson back tonight. Yeah, you got. They're getting something. Kevin Durant is enjoying his time on the bench. Apparently, mm-hmm. so uh, I guess Zadino can play with a broken jaw, but yeah, Durant, no, I not with a strained calf. It, it doesn't look good for your sport when a guy with another in another sport is playing with a broken jaw, and you have been sitting for the last few days. You know, on a leg that you should probably be able to play on at this point. So I don't know. It's uh. I, you know, and the thing is, hockey fans love to capitalize on the fact that look how tough we are, mm-hmm. and um, and it can get really obnoxious at times. But it doesn't help your case when your players are purposely sitting out while hockey players will like play on you know a a broken fibula or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, the good news for the Warriors is they're optimistic they could get Kevon Looney back for the end of this series. He was previously diagnosed with a cartilage tear that would cost him the rest of the season. Now they're optimistic they might be able to get him back for the sixth, seventh game of the series if it goes that far. But they've got their own problems to worry about tonight because if they go down 3-1, I'm not saying it's over, but they are in probably the biggest mess that they've been in in five years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you wouldn't have thought that the Warriors would be the team to get into that point mm-hmm. at, uh, after being so skilled and, you know, they plan ahead, they got the talent, and now they're in they're a complete mess right now. And uh, now it looks like Toronto could win the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Tor- Toronto won game one, the idea that they'd, event- that they'd win the series was kind of laughable in a lot of people's eyes, but... Golden State stole game two. Toronto probably should have won that game. Toronto yep. won game three. They could should have been on the verge of sweeping yeah, the Warriors. I think if they were up 3-0 yeah, going yeah, into tonight. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, if they uh, if they capitalize and win tonight, you could almost chalk it up that the series is over. Never, never like I don't – I've seen 3-1 capital <laughs> – bouncing back from 3-1 deficits. The Cubs have done it. The Cavaliers have done it. Yep. But – just how the Cav- just how the Warriors are right now with the injuries, I don't know if it's going to happen. I feel like Kevin Durant wants the Raptors. Didn't to we win talk tonight. about this last week? Well, we always talk about it because it's, we're always in this situation. I think he wants the Raptors to win tonight. Then he can come back and he can lead the Warriors to three straight wins. It's a win-win situation for him because even if they don't come all the way back from a three-one series deficit, it's not on him. You know, they, they're in a tough situation as it is. And if they do, then he looks like a hero. He gets the validation that he has been craving for so long. Isn't that like a remarkably selfish thing? Yes, it is. It's yeah. extremely selfish. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I would think he would not be that kind of a person. But I uh, don't know. Uh, no one Durant. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope he's not that kind of a person. But these days you just don't know. Maybe trying to market himself is more important to him at this point in his career it uh i don't know i actually even if he came back i don't know if they'd still be able to pull it off because the raptors have the momentum now they're clicking they're getting contributions from a lot of people even some bench contribute you know it's just mm-hmm. the warriors seem to be 
relying so heavily on Steph Curry right now. They'll get Clay back tonight, which will help, but they don't have the extra pieces there. I mean, Andre, <laughs> Andre can only do so much. But he's a role player. He's a good role player, but it's like he's not a star that can help share the load with Curry. Yeah, though. Warrior fans would tell you he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I'd say I Draymond think, is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think I think Andre. I think the world of Andre. I think he's great. Yep. I think his personality is very much a team player. But he, he's not a guy who's going to get you thirty to help Curry out. It, uh, he's going to get you like fifteen and a bunch of boards, and you know he's going to find Steph out behind the arc. But that's that's what he's going to give you. Here's going to be a tough question we're going to have to answer in a few years. Not just will Ingadala be a future MVP or excuse me, a future Hall of Famer. Will Chris Paul be a future Hall of Famer? That's a good question. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to have yeah, to answer soon. I mean, because Chris Paul has been considered the best point guard in the league for quite a while now, and but he his teams aren't getting the job done in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and and his best days are behind. Him. Yeah, yeah, he's not what he used to be. So now it's going to. Whether fair or not, they don't just look at the numbers. They also look at what were you able to accomplish with the teams you played on. And if you're if you don't end up winning a title or at least reaching the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. you're going to have to have really awesome stats to be able to you know back up why you didn't get there. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if Chris Paul has the resume anymore no. to get in. I, it's going to be a tough question. Giant answer. He's going to use John Stockton as a resume booster. That's going to be you know the example that he tries to point to. But it's going to be tough when you don't have those accomplishments and don't even appear in a finals in your career. It's really tough to get into the Hall of Fame. John Stockton appeared in two NBA finals. Well, uh, but I'm talking about the assist factor. <laughs> the assist the right biggest well. aspect of his game is his ability to assist. Yeah, here's the thing, though. John Stockton has the assist record. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like you need, you would need to beat John Stockton's record to be able to have that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that resume thing you got going for himself. So I... I don't know. Right now, I'd say no. But uh, I'm sure there's other basketball minds out there that listen to the show that maybe have a little more enlightened opinion on Chris Paul than I do. But I just don't see it at this point. I tell you what, tonight may be the most pivotal NBA Finals game we've seen at least since the 2016 Finals. If Toronto wins tonight, they go up 3-1. That'd probably be the most entertaining thing for us as basketball fans because the Warriors should be healthy by Game 5 and they would have to see if they can really be this spectacular dynasty. Can they overcome, really, the ultimate challenge? A good team that's clicking with a 3-1 series lead. But if the Warriors do win tonight and the series is tied 2-2, it becomes a best of three, and the Warriors are at full strength, I think they're going to walk away with it. Yeah, I, uh, if the Raptors end up winning... I think they're going to be okay, and I think they're going to prevail in the end. But because uh, then the Warriors are going to have to win three in a row, and that's just—it's even for the Warriors, that's going to be difficult against a good Raptors team. But if it gets to be two-two, you know, it's anybody's game at that point, and then the advantage goes back to the Warriors. So it's—it's it's definitely an intriguing game tonight. I—I I mean, you look at the 2017-2018 Finals. You watched, but you knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's back to 2016, and you don't know what's going to happen at this point. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty important game, and uh, I am excited to see what's going to happen. Tell me if you agree with me on this. I brought this up yesterday regarding the finals MVP this year. If the Warriors do win the series, which I still think they're going to, you know, this is prior to subject to change, what could happen in tonight's game. But if the Warriors do win the NBA Finals this year, I think Curry will get his first Finals MVP, even though 
his best two finals games will both be losses. I think he's already had his best two games of these finals in games one and three. And I think that's still going to be enough because he played more than Thompson or Durant. And he played better than any of the others who did play the entire series. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, scenario you got going there. What do you think? I think that's what's going to happen. I think if the Warriors do win, then Curry's already done enough that if he plays moderately or meets expectations the rest of the series, then he is going to get his first NBA Finals MVP. Yeah, um, well, it's always... I don't know if it's deserved, but uh, I think that's what will yeah, happen. Well, because he's had to carry the load the entire right. finals. You know, it's like Durant's been out. They, have, they were without Clay in Game 3. It's just... It, it's it's become his team in the finals, and if the Warriors prevail, I think he's going to end up getting it too. Um, do you think is it going into the Crosby situation there, or not so much? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, Crosby back in what was it, 2017, when yeah. Jake Gensel was their best player in the postseason, and Crosby got the con Smythe. That was complete brand recognition. Yeah, Crosby's my favorite player. But he didn't deserve the Conn Smythe in 2017. Yeah, and uh, I think it's going to be, if the Warriors win, it's going to be Steph Curry. Part of it's just brand, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the star. He and Durant are the stars of the team. Clay Thompson's kind of like the forgotten of the one of the threesome. <laughs> and he'll actually sometimes have bigger games than the other two. Yep. So it's, um, it's, I think he'll end up winning it, and uh, basically because of who he is. And, but, and that some of it's deserved, because he did do a lot. He has done a lot so far, pretty much on his own. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take a timeout. Just past the bottom of the hour when we come back. The Women's World Cup kickoff today in France. Plus, the road to Omaha thinning out. College baseball next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the Sports Pen. Here is your Sports Center update. In their first meeting since the 2017 Shanghai Masters, Rafael Nadal topped Roger Federer in straight sets to advance to his 12th French Open final. Rafa is now 92-2, lifetime at Roland Garros. His preferred surface, uh, his opponent, we're still going to have to wait to find out. That match was rained out until tomorrow. The St. Louis Blues have potentially lost forward Ivan Barbashev. He will have a disciplinary hearing this afternoon regarding a hit to the head of Marcus Johansson during last night's Stanley Cup final win. And finally, archaeologists in Eastern Europe have found the remnants of several medieval cannonballs in Bulgaria. Officials were able to trace the lineage of the cannonballs, and they've determined that they were used by the Wallachian army during the takeover of the Zhistova Fortress in 1461. That Wallachian army, of course, led by Vlad Dracul III, better known as Dracula. Well, How about there you that? Go. They found Dracula's cannonballs out in Bulgaria this week. For those who are historical experts, and I was a former history teacher, you're probably intrigued by that. But yeah. I think everybody else is like, what's that have to do with anything? Isn't he a vampire? Yeah. That's what, Vlad the Impaler, it's how, that's who the story Dracula was based off mm-hmm. of. So, yeah, and he did some weird stuff. He did do some weird stuff. He was bloodthirsty. I think that's where they get the vampire you know, stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people, it surprises me, there's a lot of people who don't realize he was a real person. He's not just a vampire. And when we meet by Impaler, he literally did it. He would have people he didn't like or his enemies would be literally have sticks go up through their bodies. He literally, that's, and would display them proudly. So yeah, he was kind of a bloodthirsty 
crazy man and the bloodthirsty of course leading to the vampire yeah, exactly. novelization so there we go Graham stoker back in the 1890s so, yeah about that time so about that it was either that one or it was about the indiana man who tried to rob a mobile home got in there shot his gun off a bunch of times hit a man in the foot he got caught because for his getaway car he called an uber hey <laughs> sometimes you know desperate times call for desperate measures you know um but yeah, there's your historical lesson for the day. Oh, I uh, tell you what. And uh, we got college baseball playing over there. You yes, we do. I've here. got it up here on the monitor. We've got a conference matchup in the Super Regionals in Lubbock right now. Texas Tech up 3-2 on Oklahoma State in the bottom of the fourth. They are threatening with 2-1. We'll keep an eye on the tournament as it progresses. Make that 4-2 base hit. I believe uh, Texas Tech just went yard before our last prom- commercial break too to take the lead so uh there you go they're a pretty good team yeah pretty good matchup early is a better game than the early one today the first super regional matchup this afternoon had louisville hosting east carolina who's kind of been the surprise of this uh, ncaa tournament the pirates the pirates <laughs> have had a great year they yeah. hosted a regional but they didn't bring it today to louisville uh east carolina had a perfect game going into the fourth inning with one out in the fourth and after that from that point Louisville scored 14 runs on 18 hits. They won 14 to 1. When does Michigan play today? They play tonight at 9. So when everybody else is getting ready for business. <laughs> well, they're stuck playing UCLA in right, LA. Right, they're so. in LA, so it's like 6 o'clock there. Yeah, so um, that's that's a bad part. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like when, remember when Michigan would play in the basketball tournament and they had that one game where it tipped off at yep. like 10.30 and uh, <laughs> some poor people had to go into work the next day <laughs> after staying up to like Like one, me? Yeah, stayed up to 1.30 to watch the basketball game. But uh, yeah, um, that's something people should keep an eye on because... Uh, it'd be Michigan's first trip to the College World Series in a long time. Yeah, trying to knock off the nation's top overall seed. And by the way, the top overall seed in the nation hasn't won the College World Series since 1999 when Miami did so. That was the first year they implemented the Super Regional format. Yeah, so uh, kind of a record kind of thing that UCLA could be going with. But I'm hoping Michigan gets it because I want to have a Big Ten team in the College World Series Mm -hmm. because it's like... It's usually all Pac-12 or SEC or Big 12 or maybe some ACC teams will sneak in there too. So it's nice to have a northern team manage mm. to get that far. I remember being excited when Indiana made it um, that one year. And actually, I think we're one of the final four teams in the College World Series. Um, so that was an accomplishment. So hopefully Michigan get there too. Yeah, Wolverine's the last Big Ten team left. Uh, the other game that we have not mentioned is at 6 o'clock tonight, Duke takes on Vanderbilt. And the other four teams will start their best of three series tomorrow. Best of three series between the 16 remaining teams and the eight that are left after Monday will make it to Omaha. And I kind of like what they're doing this year. They are hosting a major league game to kick off the College World Series in Omaha. At TD Ameritrade, they're going to host the Tigers and the Royals on Thursday to kick off the College World Series. I like that. Yeah, I mean, why not hype it up a little more? I mean, uh, it'd be really cool, like... uh like maybe if they did that in college hockey, like in the mm. Frozen Four, throwing an NHL game, sure. like yeah, you know, the night before to lead into it or uh, something like that. Uh, but uh, good for uh, Major League Baseball being a part of that. College baseball is oftentimes overlooked. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's actually one of the bigger things. You know, all the hype goes to football and basketball and uh, hockey a little lesser. In some extent. parts of the country, yeah, and hockey's really emphasized in the northern part. But uh, baseball, it's 
it, it encompasses pretty much the entire country. There's a lot of good baseball teams. So uh, one of the more underrated events, and I'm hoping to eventually get out there next year. Well, I tell you what, uh, the Women's World Cup kicked off earlier this afternoon. It's this evening over in Paris. They have about 10 minutes left in regulation. France has a 3 nothing lead on Korea to open things up. And I should say they're in the 80th minute. I know they've got 10 minutes left. Isn't proper soccer talk? Because I hate how they have that little imaginary extra time that the official apparently just counts it down in his head and then he just determines how many minutes are left. Like, just stop the clock and count down. That's what I don't like about soccer. Um, for me, that's probably the most frustrating thing, too. I, I mean, I like watching soccer. I like watching the World Cup. I like watching the Women's World Cup. When it goes to, you know, the Olympics, I like watching, the you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, extra time is just bizarre. I feel like, you know, when the t- clock expires, there's a set time in other sports. Okay, we got a five-minute overtime or a ten-minute extra session. This, you know... Uh, okay, let's put seven minutes on the clock and see what happens. It just it and let's it, not put it on the scoreboard. Let's just let the ref count it down in his head and then blow the whistle, and everyone's just supposed to stop. Yeah, it's it's the strangest thing. I like soccer a lot, but that is by mm-hmm. far if if I was the power to be, <laughs> I would get rid of that immediately because it doesn't make sense to really anybody. And Gianni Infantino just got reelected as FIFA president this week, but I don't think he's going to make the change. FIFA, one of the most corrupt organizations. Uh huh. Yeah. See, it's like a, he's in kind of the Gerald Ford situation because it's a second term, but this was the first time he was elected because he took over for the guy before him that was extremely corrupt, Sepp Blatter. Yeah. Who was kind of the Richard Nixon in this scenario. Yeah. I don't envy that guy. You know, Richard Nixon? No. I've never never had (laughs) sympathy for Richard Nixon. I'm just the guy who's replacing Seth Blatter because, you know, they've already had this huge negative stigma attached Mm -hmm. to FIFA, and he's trying to get out of it, and uh, it's not an easy situation for him. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you when we come back. We might play a little what he looks like to finish out the week. Plus, we got the Friday Funnies. That's coming up next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along. We'll get to the Friday Funnies here in just a few moments. That's how we'll end the work week, as we always like to do. Uh, the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts likes playing a game on Fridays called What He Looks Like, where you take sports personalities, what have you, and you give them a scenario uh, just based on what they look like, what he would look like, uh, what you would think he does for a living, just based on their appearance. You ready? Yeah, sure. All right. Does Bruce Arians look like the director of a small-town community theater who always dreams of making a big to Hollywood, but no one ever buys his script, and he's depressed because he's stuck in what he believes to be a cultural wasteland? He, he looks like a guy who not only does that, but has way too high standards for his community theater, <laughs> and a guy who used to drink paint as a kid. <laughs> he did. Did he really? Yeah. Is that a thing? Okay. Yeah. Drank paint twice. Well, <laughs> did learn the first an NFL coach. Yeah. Does Brad Marchand look like the snooty waiter at a French restaurant who always talks down to uh, to any customers who can't pronounce their order correctly? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. You can that's totally that's actually him. the most perfect description I've heard of Brad Marchand. <laughs> 
Uh, I tell you what, I'll try to keep up with some of the photos here. Uh, does Dave Wanstead look like your fiance's dad who doesn't think you're good enough for his daughter and invites you to dinner to just to passively aggressively roast you? Yes, and he also is the kind of guy who, you know, is like your business manager who thinks he's a lot smarter than he really is, mm. who probably got laid off like multiple times before <laughs> and still tries to teach you, treat you, a guy who has a master's degree in business administration, <laughs> like he's smarter than you. That's what I think of Dave Wanstead. It, I think it's the mustache that does it. Yes. It has to you, be. You lose the stash and, you know, he might have a little more credibility, to be honest. Uh, does Alexander Ovechkin look like the gladiator in ancient Rome who becomes a fan favorite and finds favor with the emperors he tries to win his freedom year after year? Uh, he also looks like the kind of guy who would sell you out you <laughs> know, to, to the emperor <laughs> as a gladiator, like accuse you of some bizarre crime and that have you executed because he thought that you would over outperform him in the next gladiatorial <laughs> battle. Uh, let's see. What do I have here? Here's a good one. Does Justin Turner look like Game of Thrones tried to create a leprechaun character? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Like uh, a junior Hodor, in a way. A what? Uh, like Hodor. You, you, have you never watched Game of Thrones? That kind of lumbering I don't guy? actually watch uh, okay. Game of Thrones. Okay. But yeah, he looks like, like the offspring of Hodor. That's what I'd go with. Does Ken Hitchcock look like he is a problem at TGI Fridays? Ken Lechcock looks like the guy who has a problem at every restaurant he goes to. <laughs> like, who will sit there and have a problem with the french fries he got, but won't say anything and just bitterly will just have this grumpy look on his face the whole time and will hold it against the waiter and give him like an 8% tip on a $200 bill or something. Does Andy Reid look like the campus security officer at a community college who always rides a Segway everywhere? Yes, and he's like he's the like cool campus security guy who like graduated years before, but still likes to party with the nineteen-year-olds. Yeah, Andy Reid doing a kegger. Yeah, he probably still does. Probably still does. (laughs) (laughs) Him with the Chiefs, and yeah, Yeah. I I wouldn't doubt what goes on in that locker room. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We are set for the Friday Funnies to close out the work week. Ryan, what do you have for this week? Okay, well, uh, as we were talking between the break, uh, clip that's all over Twitter. Um, I retweeted it, and a bunch of other sports reporters I know tweeted. It's, uh, it's Bruins fans, are you shocked? Boston fans, unruly? Mm, never In the that upper before. deck? Yeah, so these two Bruins fans, one guy starts arguing with some younger Bruins fans, and this guy is about the most stereotypical hockey dad you can find, probably in Boston. Bald head, you know, looks out of shape, wearing a camo jersey for some (laughs) reason, and starts yelling at these two younger guys and tries to intimidate him by, like, puffing up his chest a little bit, you know, like a gorilla or something like that. And then one kid finally has enough of it and throws his beer at him, (laughs) and and then they start brawling. And then you go on the other side, and... People are watching the big fight, and then this one guy comes charging up the stairs from a good, like, six rows down and just starts punching this other random guy (laughs) off to the side. So you have two fights going on at the same time, and it's Bruins fans fighting with Bruins fans. It's like, we're going to try to live up to every Boston stereotype (laughs) we possibly can in the next ten minutes. And I just imagine what was actually being said, and and just... I'm sure it was involving, you know, 
this guy's this player is bad and you know just um or as one guy said on twitter this guy said tom brady was overrated so i had to punch him in the head <laughs> i mean that's it's the Boston stereotype, and uh, yeah, it's it was great. Um, I know they can't, but could you imagine if Philadelphia and Boston ever met for the Stanley Cup? They're in the same conference, so they can't, yeah. but if they ever played for something with that much meaning on the line? I would say Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, well, as people, close as they could well, get. Well, there was that one year where Boston, where Boston blew a 3-0 lead um, mm. in the series, and Philadelphia won four straight, and that got apparently pretty intense from some of the people I know who live out there. So, yeah, maybe throw some New Yorkers in there, too. There you yeah, go. yeah, just a all-out brawl on the East Coast. Um, switching to basketball, mm. everybody knows about the Raptors mishap with their social media the other day mm-hmm. where um, they uh, said we've arrived in Oakland and did a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge, which the Golden Gate Bridge does not go to Oakland. The Oakland Bay Bridge connects San Francisco to Oakland. The Golden Gate Bridge connects San Francisco to Marin County, where you're starting to get into Silicon Valley. <laughs> so the Raptors mercifully made fun of on just... Mer- sorry, mercifully. Mercilessly made fun of on Twitter. So they finally snap back after the win and be like, we'll take whatever bridge we want to back to our <laughs> And I thought that was funny because it's like they knew they screwed up, but it's like, see, we won. So in your face, I'll take whatever bridge I want. So, uh, And that still wasn't the biggest social media exchange between uh, professional teams or at least one professional team. Did you see the Brewers and Marlins? Yeah. That one was that was pretty good. Yeah. Fans up here might not like it, but that yeah. was a pretty good comeback for yeah. Miami. Yeah. Uh Good for them. They can yeah. do something right this Yeah, year. they got 11 runs in one, <laughs> in one inning. That, that's their high point. Yeah. Um, minor league baseball, bench is clear after a bunt breaks up a no-hitter. This is one of those unwritten rules stuff that baseball likes to pull all the time. Um, uh, AA franchise. Uh, for the Rock, um, can't remember if it was the Rockies or the Yankees, but uh, they were throwing a combined no hitter. They got a closer to try to close it out, and guy needs to get on base. They're down three zero, and he lays down a bunt on the first base side. The guy doesn't clean it, feel it cleanly. He's safe. Bench is clear because the unwritten rule. No. Be sh- and no. And here's the funny thing with the pitcher. He said, you know, he needed to do what he had to do. It happened. It didn't get, you know. He's not faulting the guy for doing it because he knew he had to get on base. You got to do what you need to do. Um, uh, so I don't understand why people got upset over that. I mean, you do whatever you can to break up a no hitter. Do you remember last year on opening weekend, the Twins and the Orioles had a similar situation? Jose Barrios had a no hitter, and the yep. Orioles' backup catcher Chance Cisco was batting. They had a shift on. There was nobody on the left side of the infield. So he lays down a bunt where nobody was, and he gets on base. I know, it, you know, and I'm a Twins fan, but the Twins took exception to it. I, I didn't see the problem with it because, you know, you're not obligated to play the game without hurting the other team's feelings. Yeah, and it's like I don't understand it. And uh, my dad's pretty passionate about that because he thought this, his favorite team was overreacting to, their, <laughs> to the bunt situation because it's like you try to do what you can to win. It's like, you know – sportsmanship is important but it's like you're still trying to win you know it's Mm -hmm. like bunt to break up a no hitter fine get on base that's what you need to do i mean like sure the other team might be hurt emotionally by it Mm -hmm. but that's it's a sport you're trying to win i don't get it but uh yeah so there's uh, another unwritten rule don't be a snowflake yeah no more unwritten rules yeah it's like 
let the kids play. Let them have fun. <laughs> you know, suck it up. That's my thought there. So the Pirates announcer, remember I talked last week oh, about yeah. the guy you thought is, you know, he celebrates with his home runs and his, you know, his, grandfather, yeah, his grandfather's rolling over in his grave. Well, another Pirates announcer decided he's going to weigh in on a different situation. Mm. Uh, so the Braves are playing the Pirates. Acuna's at the plate for the Braves, and he gets beaned. So one of the Pirates announcers, Steve Blass, says that back in the day, you know, he would have for sure gotten beaned because of the jewelry he wore. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you have a gold chain, you deserve to be hit with a ball. That's Steve's blast philosophy. So his coworker, his partner says, well, it looks like the pitch was unintentional. You know, it's not like there was an incident. He handled it really well, yeah. didn't take the bait. Yeah, and he said, well, he shouldn't have stared at the pitcher as he walked down to first base. So it's like, okay... Your argument failed, and you're trying to, you know, it's like, I don't understand. There's so many good announcers out there, and yet there's so many guys who should not be anywhere near a broadcast booth, and Steve Blass is one of them, because it's just like, you're going into angry old man mode here, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, it's hard to take you seriously when you're making a big deal out of something that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation at hand. Were you a Hawk Harrelson fan? No. No? Can't stand him. A lot of people could not stand him. Yeah. If you were a White Sox fan, I'm sure you loved him. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, He's a hero to them. Yeah, but if you're not, oh, beyond frustrating. And, uh, you know, some people are just biased in that regard, and then there's some people who are just like, how did you get this job? <laughs> like, were you, did you show up like on the first day of auditions mm-hmm. and they were like, well, oh, you could fit the part <laughs> and you've just been milking it for 40 years instead of actually improving your abilities. Uh, happens way too much. In and sports. speaking of which the brewers, well, they won't get a here, Steve blast, but they are playing the pirates tonight. Yeah. So and go. they've got a pitcher who did not start the year in their 40 man roster, Pittsburgh. His name is literally Rookie Davis. He's not a rookie. His name is Rookie. Didn't start the year in the 40-man roster, but he's going to pitch against Milwaukee. Well, appropriate. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Steve Blass, I'm just going to put him in a great mood. Yeah. I'm sure he'll complain because back in his day, you know, those (laughs) kids weren't named Rookie. Back in my day, if you didn't start the year in the 40-man roster, you were not coming up to the majors. Yeah. It's, No. Baseball seems to be the absolute worst at this. Oh, yeah. Like, Traditionalist uh, yeah, ob- Obsessed yeah. with the past mm-hmm. rather than adapting to the future. It's, And, you know, I've said this before in columns. You know, people always say, like, how come my generation isn't embracing baseball? It's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're so stuck in the past and not adapting. I love baseball. I go to games. Mm-hmm. I write about it. It's, it. It means a lot to me. But I understand why other people I know don't like it. It's slow. <laughs> There's they're stuck in the way back in the days kind of philosophy. They're unwritten rules. They're no inab- protective netting. Yeah, the, <laughs> their inability to you know have common sense at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I understand it. But uh, got two more for you. Yeah. So uh, Diamondbacks um, are trailing to Dodgers. The bo- a bottom of the ninth got the tying run at the plate, and a fan who's sitting behind home plate is he's got to help out the team in anywhere he can. Mm. So he goes out, stands up, and drops trowel and moons the pitcher <laughs> as, he's, as he's winding up. And the thought of maybe if I distract him enough that, you know, he'll mess up and the Diamondbacks will get a hit. Funny enough, he got, the pitcher shr- just 
is completely unfazed by it, gets a pop-out, and that ends, <laughs> and that ends the game. So this guy made a fool of himself, and it didn't even work for him. So, yeah, so there's that. You get home plate seats and you do that? <laughs> I mean, that's usually where the camera's going when he's pitching. <laughs> yeah, well, so not only are you foolishly trying to distract a, a pitcher – your rear is on broadcast for everybody. <laughs> so everybody will know you were the guy who did it. Not just some random person. It was you specifically. So, yeah, that was, uh, that's what happened in the Diamondbacks Dodgers game the other night. Um, <clears throat> oh, actually, I got two more. First oh, yeah. one, Mariners, have you seen the foolish play that they made where they, the guy wasn't covering home plate? Ground ball to the shortstop. They're trying to get the runner at home. Would have gotten him. Catcher's nowhere there. So the throw goes completely sailing to the backstop. <laughs> I've never seen a catcher not be at home plate. Where was he? Trying to back up first base. But why? The throw wasn't going there, so I don't know why he was there in the first place, and they knew the runner would try to score on the play, so he's no longer, he's nowhere in position. Ball sails by, and the announcer is announcing, it's like, I don't think I've ever even heard of that happening before, because it's like, it's so far out there. Nobody Nobody would do that, and uh, but it goes to show where the Mariners are right now. I have never seen a worse pro defensive team than this year's version of the Mariners. Their offense isn't bad, but they can't field the ball. No, no, and they hang their pitching out to dry because of it. I have never, I mean, I, I didn't realize it. You know, you can look at the numbers, and that's one thing, but then to actually tune into a game is a whole nother, and this team is so bad defensively. Already a major league leading 69 errors. 18 ahead of the White Sox are the next closest team. Yeah. that If you want a way to sum up how they're playing, that's a great image. Yeah. But uh, last one, getting back to hockey with the Blues. Um, so they did a weird thing in Game 3. Uh, you know the color guard ceremonies? Well, you have to fill enough space on the carpet. So a lot of times teams will throw some extra flags. They'll throw they got the American flag, you got a state flag. Sometimes they'll throw in the city flag. Sometimes they'll throw in the team flag to try to fill space. Well, the Blues decided to throw on a flag with the Enterprise logo. Yes, the Rent-A-Car company who is has the namesake for the arena had their own flag in the color guard ceremony. The Blues get backlash for it because it's like it's total brand <laughs> that you're putting in a color guard ceremony. So then they get rid of it in game four. The Enterprise flag isn't there. So Deadspin had some fun with it and be like, hey, in this country, we stand when our brands are in the color guard <laughs> ceremony. And then you dishonored the, enter- the color guard ceremony by taking away the Enterprise flag. It was so, it was such a tone deaf move that it's hard to believe that someone would think that way and it makes a bad thing for your brand too because now Mm -hmm. you're attached to that so yeah that uh, was pretty dumb i tell you what always good to end the week with the friday funnies few notes before we sign off this just uh news just broke the milwaukee bucks have given general manager john horst an extension of three years and france tacked on one more goal they beat korea for nothing in the women's world cup opener so there you go. A couple news and notes as we hit the 5 o'clock hour. Time to weekend. Appreciate you as always, Ryan. And yep. If you got anything to plug or tell us what you're doing this weekend. Well, I, like I said, I have a column coming out about uh, what St. Louis, what a cup would mean to their city and to Blues fans. And I'll be at the softball regional tournament out in Nagani. Mm. Uh, Gladstone plays the opening game. Glad, uh, Nagani follows at noon. Gladstone will play at 10. Nagani will play at noon. And the championship will, is tentatively set for 2 p.m. So uh, if you're looking for something to do Saturday, weather's supposed to be nice. So you get to see some good softball, too. And I'll be there. So. 
The Rodies Lansing. Uh, it, tickets going to get punched it, tomorrow. It, exactly. It's going to be cool. Well, that is it for us here in the Sports Pen. Signing off from ESPN UPWZAM. Uh, I'm Tanner Hoops for Ryan Stig. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports Pen.